Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our thank you gift when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part two of his last message in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, about true love. Sometimes we say words and we don't really think about what they really mean, the depth of what they mean, is that when you went to the altar, you said in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish the good times and the bad times, as long as we both shall live. That's what you said. You said, and I know at the altar it's exciting and you're in love and the Google got good, you know, and then you could never do anything wrong. And then, and then you move in together and it's the couple of days after the wedding night and whoa, that's how they look in the morning? <laughs> she burnt the toast? Toast? You just have to put it on number four and it's perfect. How could that happen? You see, then life comes your way. And then you have to decide if you're going to love the way God's called you to love. I wonder if some of you have decided. The Bible says we know that we passed out of death into life because we love God's people. 1 John 3.14 We know that we're believers because we have this love in us. Now, I'm not telling you that this love is easy. And I'm not telling you that it's just a snap of your fingers away from you and it's just it's something that's going to make you desperately fall at the foot of the cross probably every single day when you think about its implications. Would you agree? It's going gonna, it's gonna to find you on your face crying out to God to give me the resources to love this way. My love is a response to God's love. And here's the good news. And the resources to love this way come from God. You don't have to do it alone. And some of you have been failing because you've been trying to do it in your own power. And if you try to love this way without God's help, you're in trouble. Because the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love. And we, many of us have memorized those fruits of gentleness and kindness and patience and all those other ones, but the trunk of the tree is love. The fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, is love. Romans 5.5 says God has poured out His love in us or through us, through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's been shed abroad in our hearts. We have a power source to love this way. In fact, I would tell you that one of the key characteristics of walking in the Spirit that manifests in your life is love. Paul's been correcting the Corinthian church and he's been saying to them, you guys think it's the gift of tongues. You think it's prophecy. You think it's this or that. I have to tell you that if you had mountain-moving faith, if you gave your body to be martyred or burned, if you uh, you gave all your possessions to feed the poor, but you had not love, you are nothing. Nothing. It's not the gifts The gifts are a blessing, no doubt. But the gifts without love, they mean nothing. 
And so Paul is now going to give us eight negative descriptions of love, what love is not. We've already learned in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, that love is patient and love is kind. I reminded you that those are uh, things that God has uh, been to us, attributes of God, if you will. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, love is patient, love is kind. And now we get into the is nots. Love is not, take a look with me, love is not jealous. Love is not jealous. Now, it's certainly true that there is a right kind of jealousy. In fact, the Bible does say that God is a jealous God. He's jealous for our hearts. He's jealous in the right and best sense. And if you were married and your spouse cheated with, on, on you with someone, you should be jealous. That's a healthy jealousy. That's a reasonable jealousy. That's a biblical jealousy. What's not biblical is to be uh, a person that is constantly snooping around and filled with distrust. Now, I'm saying all things being equal. I know some of you have been hurt and wounded, and you carry some of those things into your relationship. But all things being equal, let's just talk here in terms of the Word of God. The Word of God says don't be jealous. Love is not jealous. You've got to give a certain level of freedom to the person that you are supposed to love the most. If you are a wet blanket on them, if you never give them any freedom, look, if you're married, please have some friends outside your marriage. You need to have some friendships with other people. And I'm talking about if you're a guy, go out and do a few things with your buddies. If you're a gal, go out and do some things with your girlfriends. You'll love each other even more when you get back from shopping. Right? You don't have to play golf with your spouse. You can if you want to. <laughs> How many of you saw that uh, Everybody Loves Raymond episode when they played golf together? And it was like she was trying to do something that he enjoyed, and they went out there, and she made her first putt, and he missed, and it was a disaster! All these best things we have. Yeah, we could just do this together. Well, some things are fun to do together, but other things you may want to do them separately. That's okay. It could be healthy for your relationship. Love is not jealous. If you have the NIV, it says, love does not envy. Love and jealousy are mutually exclusive. Jealousy literally means to burn with intense fire. Where one is, the other cannot be. Shakespeare called jealousy the green sickness. It's also been called the enemy of honor and the sorrow of fools. Jesus referred to it as the evil eye. Matthew 20, 15, King James Version. The verb is ordinarily used by Paul in a positive sense, but its cognate adjective appears in uh, chapter 3, verse 3, for strife and rivalry. Love is free from envy. Love doesn't have to prove something to someone. When we are jealous and envious, it's because we can't stand being upstaged by somebody else. Love doesn't act that way. Love can rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who who weep. We know that the book of James says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, 
James 3.16, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is pure and peaceable, gentle and reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. Envy is no small sin. Because of it, Cain murdered Abel. Joseph was sold into slavery. And Jesus was crucified. Pilate knew it was because of envy that the religious leaders turned Jesus over to them, to the Romans. Pilate knew it. He knew that they were jealous. He knew that the religious leaders were afraid that they would lose their place and their nation and it drove them to crucify the Messiah. That's how ugly envy can be. Jealousy. It can make us do all kinds of silly things. More damage is done due to jealousy than we could possibly chronicle in one message. It breeds distrust but love will cheerlead and applaud. Love is not going to be silly, of course, but love will give a level of freedom to others. First Peter uh, 2.1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, and envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Second one in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, is love does not brag. Or NIV, love does not boast. New King James, love does not parade itself. This is a rare word in 1 Corinthians 13.4 and it means to behave as a braggart or literally to be a windbag. The old windbag. Some people we've described as being filled with a whole lot of hot air. Brag, 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 brag. Buzz, 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 buzz. Oh, yeah, man, me and then I, me and I, I did, oh, I did, yeah, me, 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 me. If you've ever seen the comedian Brian Regan, he describes being at a party with someone he describes as the me monster. And somebody can be telling a story about something that they did or experienced, and the me monster has to upstage them. Oh, you did that, but I, and the me, and me, and me. <laughs> that's how Brian Regan puts it and if you've ever been in that situation you finally realize it doesn't matter what you say around this person they're going to have one better story than you and finally he tells of an extreme example where there's a guy at a dinner party who's actually walked on the moon and he lets everybody tell their stories and then he waits takes a little sip of his drink and says oh yeah well, I walked on the moon. Everybody has to be quiet after that. <laughs> the stage is yours, moonwalker. This is what a braggart has to do. He has to make sure that he is center stage. To brag is to call inordinate attention to oneself. The problem with windbags is that they eventually pop and make a loud noise. Amen? Love does not have to say, look at me. Love does not have to parade its accomplishments. C.S. Lewis called bragging the utmost evil. It's the epitome of pride, which is the root of all sins. Bragging puts ourselves first. Everyone else, including God, must therefore be second or less important than us. It's impossible to build others up when you're so focused on yourself. 
So love does not brag. Oh, these are hard, aren't they? You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Verse 4 is, love does not brag. Or NIV, love does not boast. New King James, love does not parade itself. This is a rare word in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. And it means to behave as a braggart or literally to be a windbag. The old windbag. Some people we've described as being filled with a whole lot of hot air. Brag, 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 brag. Buzz, 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 buzz. Oh, yeah, man. Me and then I, me and I, I did. Oh, I did. Yeah, me, me, me. Me, 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 me. If you've ever seen the comedian Brian Regan, he describes being at a party with someone he describes as the me monster. And somebody can be telling a story about something that they did or experienced, and the me monster has to upstage them. Oh, you did that, but I, and the me, and me, and me. <laughs> That's how Brian Regan puts it. And if you've ever been in that situation, you finally realize it doesn't matter what you say around this person, they're going to have one better story than you. And finally, he tells of an extreme example where there's a guy at a dinner party who's actually walked on the moon. And he lets everybody tell their stories. And then he waits, takes a little sip of his drink and says, Oh yeah? Well, I walked on the moon. Everybody has to be quiet after that. (laughs) The stage is yours, moonwalker. This is what a braggart has to do. He has to make sure that he is center stage. To brag is to call inordinate attention to oneself. The problem with windbags is that they eventually pop and make a loud noise. Amen? Love does not have to say, look at me. Love does not have to parade its accomplishments. C.S. Lewis called bragging the utmost evil. It's the epitome of pride, which is the root of all sins. Bragging puts ourselves first. Everyone else, including God, must therefore be second or less important than us. It's impossible to build others up when you're so focused on yourself. So love does not brag. Oh, these are hard, aren't they? Let's keep going. Love is not, end of verse 4, arrogant. Or it is not proud. The New King James says love is not puffed up. It has the overtones of arrogance. Bragging and arrogance are all signs of insecurity. I have to make sure that others know what I've accomplished, what I do. I have to make sure to divert attention to myself. 
it is a sign of being insecure. And some of us battle that. God is opposed to the proud, but He gives grace to the humble, James 4.6. He gives us grace when we desire to walk in humility, even though we could say something in that moment. We could upstage the other person. We could say, oh yeah, let me tell you something. Love says, I'm not going to go there. I don't need to go there. God knows. Love, verse 5, does not act unbecomingly. This word means to behave in a shameful or disgraceful way. It could be rendered, love does not behave indecently, and it has, says one writer, sexual overtones. Like the man who was sleeping with his father's wife in chapter 5. Or women who were dishonoring their husbands in chapter 11 by dressing immodestly. Love does not act unbecomingly. If you have an NIV, it says love is not rude. Love will wait for others. Love will honor God's order and design. When someone is rude, you can't help but thinking, what's their problem? And when you're rude to someone, you can't help but thinking the same thing. (laughs) What's their problem? I was rude to them, but it's because... And we fill in the blank, right? It's never our problem. See, we have a right to be rude. Others, we don't. To be rude is to act in an unbecoming, embarrassing, and disrespectful way. A foul mouth, poor, poor manners inappropriate jokes at another's expense and sarcastic quips. I'm reading from the love, dear. When you are on the receiving end of rudeness, nobody likes it. It makes you feel uncomfortable and small. Love does just the opposite. It desires to make others feel special and built up. It is a pain to be with a rude person and a pleasure to be with someone who loves you and behaves accordingly. Love motivates giving our best, whether it's our speech, our manners, or our demeanor. If we want someone close to us to stop being rude or doing things that bother us, perhaps we should start with ceasing to do the things that bother them. William Barclay writes, Love does not behave gracelessly. It is well with a man who is gracious. Psalm 112, verse 5. Love is gracious. It's not rude. If you're in the habit of embarrassing your spouse, in mixed company, telling off-colored jokes, so that someone feels small in that room, you haven't accomplished anything but acted like a fool. And I know sometimes, you know, we can get in conversations with some of our buddies and sarcasm, you know, some of us got an A-plus in the sarcasm class, right? And I can be sarcastic with the best of them. I spend my life, you know, as a wordsmith and uh, how to present things and stuff. I could go down that path, and sometimes I do, (laughs) admittedly. And, you know, in some of those situations, it's a back and forth, but I think we know when we've crossed the line. We usually know when we've crossed the line when the other person gets quiet. Oops. And then we have to try to repair what we said. See, even when we're joking, there's a little truth in our jokes, right? And it can hurt somebody deeply. We have to be careful. It's gotten really quiet in this room. I knew, I was thinking about not coming to church today, and I'm I'm speaking for myself now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 
Love does not seek its own. It doesn't seek its own advantage. The one says, love does not insist on its way, ESV, new, revised. Another says, it doesn't seek its own advantage, NJB. Still another, it does not claim its own right. Even though, says one writer, their emphases differ on all these versions, they convey the same message. In a shortened form, the clause simply connotes, love is not selfish. Selfishness is like a disease from the love dare that suffocates our capacity to love. When we choose self-centeredness, we become high-maintenance, more needy, overly sensitive, and demanding. And then when we don't get our way, we judge, judge others harshly while being blind to our own faults. Almost every sinful act can be traced back to a selfish motive. The bottom line is this. You either make decisions out of love, out of love for others, or love for yourself. That's the bottom line. Love is not selfish. Imagine if Jesus would have been selfish. We'd be in big trouble. And so he modeled that love for us. And it's hard. Could it be that we stay stuck in certain patterns in our relationships because we're stuck on selfishness? I was listening to one of the uh, family programs, I think it was Family Life or Focus on the Family, and a gentleman was talking about a pornography addiction that he had for years, and he was a Christian, and he was very open with his wife about the pornography addiction. So he would fall to it, and he was falling regularly to it, and he would confess it to his wife, and he'd, he'd be tearful and broken, and he'd cry about it. And this went on for years, and he had a mentor, somebody who was discipling him, pouring into his life, and finally, one day, he said to his mentor, I fell again, and, I, uh, and he started blubbering. And his mentor looked at him and said, do you know why you keep falling to pornography? He said, yeah, I want to know. Tell me, why do I keep falling to pornography? He goes, because you love your sin. The man said that he was just wiped out by the comment. And then he started thinking about it, and he said, you're right. That's why I keep falling to pornography. Yes, I, he said, yes, you go through this repentance in quotes and you cry and you apologize to your wife and you go through all that. But, but you go through all that for a false reason because you love your sin. That's why you keep going back to it. Stop. And the man was confronted with the reality that he had elevated his sin above everything else. And then he did all the other accoutrements that a Christian would do, like be repentant. And I'm not saying those are wrong things, but he had done it in such a pattern for so many times that those very things became his excuse. And finally, a man called him on the carpet and said, you love your sin. That's your problem. And the man had to truly repent. Because he had elevated his sin above his God, above his wife. Love finds its satisfaction in the welfare of others. Love does not merely not seek that which does not belong to it. It is prepared to give up for the sake of others even what it's entitled to. It's my right! I should be able to do this! Yes, you should. But does that mean that you have to? Does that mean that you have to demand your right? This is a supposed true story from the time of Oliver Cromwell in England. A young soldier has been tried in military court, sentenced to death. He was to be shot at the ringing of the curfew bell. 
His fiance climbed up the bell tower several hours before curfew time, tied herself to the bell's huge clapper. At curfew time, when only muted sounds came out of the bell tower, Cromwell demanded to know why the bell was not ringing. His soldiers went to investigate and found the young woman uh, cut and bleeding from being knocked back and forth against the great bell. They brought her down, and the story goes that Cromwell was so impressed with her willingness to suffer in this way on behalf of someone she loved that he dismissed the soldier saying, curfew shall not ring tonight. And Philippians 2 says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each one of you regard others as more important than yourself. Don't merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You're listening to True Love 3, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching, finishing up 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 7. We would really love to hear from you, so please send your comments or questions. Contact information is on walkintruth.com, or you can call and leave us a brief message at 844-48-TRUTH. Again, you can visit walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH during normal business hours. Thanks for reaching out. Tune in tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 about true love. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.